0: Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd, your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by SB Nation on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube and podcast network. I'm your host, Colt Schroeder, and on this week's show, I'm J- I'm going to be joined by Alex Rollins, NFL. He's a connoisseur of film breakdown. He's got over seventy five thousand subscribers that chime into his YouTube channel to watch his breakdowns each week. And in this episode, we're going to hit the AFC East QBs and see what they're all about. It's about to go. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports
1: Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing
0: good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should, because I'm sick, This, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I got to shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let's go. hey what is up everyone welcome into the show i am super pumped for this one uh when i when i mentioned there in the beginning that we got a film connoisseur uh i think you guys are gonna really enjoy alex's takes on uh the QBs this week so i'm super excited to get into that Um, but before we do that let's uh you guys can see that alex is uh joining us just by audio we're having some camera issues so he's audio only with us today but alex man how are you sir Good
1: man. I'm I'm wondering if you were were rapping on that on that intro right there. That is that is
0: not me. That yeah, is not me. Yeah, couldn't get the
1: vibe. Wasn't sure if it was you or not, but it got me got me a little fired up, so I'm Good, I'm feeling, good. I'm
0: feeling good, man. <laughs> Excellent. So Alex, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I've run a YouTube channel for about 3 years now. Every every Saturday I come out with an episode where I try and bridge the gap between what's really happening on the field in terms of the the coverages the the play calls the concepts and whatnot and just try and get a better idea of what's really happening it's it can be challenging to find that sort of information so i try to kind of bridge the gap between the fans and then really really dive in with the x's and o's and whatnot and and create content that that like i said bridges that gap so that's that's what i'm all about and uh i'm I'm passionate about it i think it's beautiful it's the best game there is
0: yeah, no, I I love I love watching your stuff because you uh, you do, do kind of put it in I don't want to call it like layman's terms, but you definitely break it down enough with like showing arrows and like all this kind of stuff to actually show like everybody what's going on for the folks that don't really. Dig deep into football, right? Um, Especially I went in and watched the the videos that you've done on Tua and Wilson uh, here recently, and obviously we're going to hit the AFC's QBs this week. That's kind of what we're going to really dive into. I want to get your opinion. I think everybody believes Josh Allen is the best QB in that division, but is there somebody else that could be a Josh Allen in the division? We're going to get into that. But before we dive into all that kind of stuff, uh, we do like to highlight a charity each week on the show, Um, and we do uh, let the guests, when they come on, they do get to choose the charity that we're going to highlight. So super pumped um, when Alex brought out the charity that he wanted to highlight. Um, And this week, we're going to be highlighting FantasyCares.net. So uh, Alex, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about why you chose them?
1: Yeah, so I'm an avid, I'm obviously a huge football fan. I'm an avid fantasy player and I really like this charity because they it kind of bridges those two gaps and kind of kind of connects the two the two fields or parties if if you will where the fantasy football aspect in the charity where uh fantasy cares raises money uh they buy toys for kids on Christmas so kids who can't afford those gifts or their parents who can't afford those gifts and aren't necessarily getting all the all the things that they would want that's where fantasy cares comes in and what I think is really cool is they're not necessarily just going around asking for money, but it's, hey, we're playing this awesome game, fantasy football. Whoever wins, maybe just take a little bit off the top and donate to this awesome charity. Uh, it's run by the best guys. Scott Fishbowl uh, has the, the shirt that you're wearing there. Yep. Um, all those guys, I, I've worked with DLF in the past, which is uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And those are just some of the nicest guys. So uh, I the, the people are great. The cause is great it it has football thrown in there so what what more could you really want
0: yeah, I mean it's an incredible time uh, for those of you out there watching or listening. If you've never been part of it, I encourage you to go to scottfishbowl.com and just put your name in there. You might not get in. Um, it takes people years to do it because there's like 5,500 spots or something like that, and there's like thousands of people trying to get in because it's such an awesome event. Uh, all the money raised goes to like Toys for Tots, like Alex mentioned. Uh, there's a bunch of side things going on, but Fantasy Cares does a couple of like little events while draft weeks going on that they extra raise extra money for that scott fish is part of right so just an an incredibly cool way um to just raise money have fun play fantasy football and network right i mean it it, it can't get better
1: a hundred percent a hundred percent and that's it it's connecting those passions it's it's what it's really all about and and helping the kids and i i haven't been able to go when they've been giving the the toys to the kids but seeing the videos that they put up are uh it, if you watch it, you're, you're going to want to be a part of it. So it's special.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, ends up being like, you know, th- hundreds, it's not hundreds of thousands, but I think it's like around 50, $60,000 every year worth of toys or whatever that they're, they end up raising and that might be way off, but it's, it's a big number and uh, it, it's an awesome event. So very cool. So you guys can head over to fantasycares.net to check them out make sure you do. Uh, I'm sure you guys should get over there and sign up for all that stuff. Cause it's a lot of fun. All right, so we're going to definitely get into the quarterbacks and stuff because that's what you're really good at. I want to hit you with a couple questions real quick that are about the Bills, just kind of our hot topics for the Bills Mafia to get another opinion. I've been asking kind of everybody coming on here recently. Um, so I'm calling it Poyer Watch. Um, it was, it was mini camp, mandatory minicamp. Jordan Poyer showed up. He's in the contract dispute. Where do you stand on Jordan Poyer? I know you watch a lot of football. You break down a lot of film. You see a lot of great players. Fitzpatrick signs a big deal. Poyer's trying to get paid. What do you stand? If you're the Bills GM, is he getting your money?
1: Yeah, he is. I think he's one of the better safeties in the league for sure. I think as we see the league going where it has been going in terms of smaller, quicker players like a Jordan Poyer and as well as predominantly two high safety coverages, you're really seeing these safeties have to be much more versatile where not only can they drop deep and play that deep half, but you can also have a Poyer type who can roll down who can cover receivers, tight ends, anybody. So I, I think it's a position that's really growing in value. And when you have a guy who's already there, I think it's important to pay him and, and show the locker room that we are going to reward our guys, guys in the house and and kind of build the culture in that way.
0: I love it. I, I, I've been kind of back and forth on it, right? Because I, as watching the Bills internally, I'm not sure how we're going to pull it off money-wise because this leads me into my next piece. The other big topics between mafia right now is kind of if you're gonna choose, and I can give you money to spend on Dawson Knox or Tremaine Edmonds. Where are you going?
1: Ooh, that's that's a that's a tricky one. I mm. think, I think with, I think I'm going Dawson Knox. I think that the Bills don't necessarily have that super strong second option behind Stephon Diggs, where defenses can't necessarily put all their attention onto this. If they do put all their attention on the digs, who is that guy who's really going to step up and ta- and steal that coverage back away from him? I think we've seen that rapport with, with Knox and Allen, of course. Uh, I think building even more so around the offense and making Josh Allen the best that he possibly can be, I,
0: I think I side with Knox there. I've been leaning that way myself a little bit uh, just because of that. We've seen great like quarterback tight end duos do well, right? When you can get them together and they last together, they do well. So I- I'm in that same boat. All right. So now that we got that stuff out of the way, let's get into what you were brought here to talk about the AFC East quarterbacks. So I like I mentioned at the top, I think everybody flat out thinks Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the AFC East, potentially one of the best in the league. Right. From what you've seen so far, just off of watching these three guys, are any of them capable of being Josh Allen?
1: No, (laughs) no. Um, I think that I would say that Zach Wilson poses the biggest threat. I think from a talent perspective, he could be in that general ballpark, very generally speaking. But I think such a big part of building a quarterback up and really developing him is the organization behind him. And we see half this division just constantly shooting their cells in the foot, honestly. And I, as we'll get into, I was very fond of Zach Wilson for a variety of reasons. And there were some, there were some reasons I wasn't so fond of him. But it's the, the Jets are the giant question mark where how good, how, what, what kind of system, what kind of culture, what kind of vibe can they put around Zach Wilson to really build him up? Have we seen them be able to do that? In the last few years, not at all. So that's that's where I'm more worried about Zach Wilson. But I would say if there were to be a Josh Allen type out of these these three quarterbacks, I suppose it would be him.
0: Yeah, I, and and that kind of aligns. With, I went and watch the videos on those guys that you put out, and I, I align with your ideas on them. Uh, for me, as I was last week, I had Jarrett Bailey on, and we were kind of doing over unders, and you know the Patriots and the Dolphins are both at eight and a half you know, and for me, I feel like this is the year that the Patriots are going to really struggle and the, and the jets are the team that might leap a little bit out of that. So let's start at the bottom. Cause I think the Patriots are going to be at the bottom of this with Jones. What, what, what have you seen in him that you like, or is there, is there anything that tells you that this guy is capable of anything more than what we saw last year?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question, Colt. I think that's, that's really where the issue lies We saw a very good rookie season from Mac Jones, but what is his ceiling? Now, I do want to say the ceiling question is always tricky with quarterbacks because what is a ceiling of a quarterback when Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all, never had, quote unquote, a high ceiling in terms of talent or however you want to define ceiling, but he's the greatest of all time. So that's what's always a little bit tricky about really diving into that question but I think with Mac Jones, it's fair to say, if we're ranking all the quarterbacks, how much higher can he get than basically the average number 16 overall or whatever? I think we saw him right around that range. Maybe he was a little bit up in 13, 14 range. Will he ever be able to make that next step? That's a big part of the question with him. We, I like to look at the quarterback situation with kind of three different criteria where in terms of, will you have a good offense? You have three different criteria, which is you need a talented quarterback. You need that quarterback to have mastery of scheme and you need talent surrounding that quarterback. So when I look at the Patriots, I don't necessarily see the talent with, with Mac Jones that it's at a high above average level. I think mastery of scheme is where we really get excited about him and see that he might be able to do that even in his second year, And then the talent surrounding him, I don't know if there's really much of of anything that you can point to as a particularly dominant aspect of his receivers, tight ends, or running backs, where you're saying, okay, these guys can elevate Jones and really get him above that 16th-ish overall area. So the mastery of scheme aspect is exciting. I think when you watch him, you see that even as a rookie in a complex system with McDaniels, He's pointing at the mic. He's running check with Me's. He's changing the play at the line. And for a, you don't see many rookie quarterbacks at all being able to do that. But with a, with a scheme that complex, Mac Jones already being able to do that, that is a sign where you say, okay, this guy is a little bit different to where he's not just a standard average quarterback, but maybe does have the ability to push up that list a little bit. So that's what was really interesting to me. I think. He Some of the good things he showed were he was able to move his eyes and manipulate defenders, which is something I'm always very excited about because it shows you that a quarterback not only knows the play or the concept, but he knows the defense. He knows which defender he's trying to put in conflict. He knows where his receiver is going, where he needs to be. There's a lot of different aspects that are tied into that one skill and so that's one particularly that I'm always looking for when evaluating especially younger quarterback but I would say that I was surprised at how not at how inaccurate he was but his accuracy wasn't as elite as I thought it would be especially for a player who doesn't have that crazy arm strength or or some of these other things and I think with a with a with a guy who's going to have to play and as i said master the scheme you're going to need to be constantly accurate as heck he's not going to push the ball down the field as much as some of the other quarterbacks in the league he's going to need to be pinpoint and i was a little bit worried a little bit surprised and i even saw this pop up in college a little bit in that explosive alabama year I, he wasn't constantly consistently super accurate and so that's why i was Not quite as high on him as I thought I would be.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, the other, like, from what you just touched on is he's now got, like, I don't think McDaniels is great, but now he's going from that to Matt Patricia right? Like, I I don't see how that helps the guy who we might have already seen the best, you know, is that like, that's the move. So to me, that's kind of why I'm seeing a lot of the faltering there, but I thought he had a great year Um, in in a couple of the games against the bills. I thought he he played well. I mean, he didn't, he didn't ever do anything that was like truly detrimental to the team. Right. And I think that that's huge as a, as you're a rookie. And even as you're a second three, four year pro, you never want to be the guy costing your team the game. And he always seems to be able to do that. So that brings me to the Jets next, because I do think that they may be a little more like Flyer kind of a little better than teams people think. You know, just I, I'm a little more excited about what they did. I think I like their GM a little better, and I do think that Zach Wilson has more to offer than Tua moving forward. So Zach Wilson, where I I watched the breakdown on him, he he looks that he could be elite, but he's missing a couple little kind of pieces.
1: For sure, for sure, I. The one thing I really focused on, and I talked about this a lot in the video when he's good, you can all, you can, you can, if you're watching his back foot at the top of his drop, that's when, you know, he's on when he knows he's confident where he knows where he's going to throw, what his plan is. If this guy is an open, I'm throwing here, et cetera, et cetera, and can go through his progressions. So basically why that back foot is so important. When you get to the top of your drop, Sometimes Zach would take this little extra step back. And I think what was happening with him there is he wasn't confident in what he was seeing. He didn't have a plan for what was going to happen after the snap. So basically that back foot would get there. I think he was still just kind of generally reading the field. I think he was watching things play out rather than knowing exactly where to throw more so like a Mac Jones where he's saying, okay, this is the guy I'm going to read. If he goes to the right, I'm going to throw to my second progression to the left immediately. So at times earlier in the season, you'd see him get to the top of his drop. He'd take that little step backwards, just one more. And you can't, if you want to, let's say your first read isn't open. And instead of stepping up into the pocket, you're taking that step back. You can't then hitch up in the pocket on time. Footwork is designed Receivers are designed to come open in sync with your footwork. So sometimes it's a five-step drop. That's how the play's is designed. Sometimes it's five and a hitch. So if you get to your fifth step, and then instead of going up one and hitching to that next progression, you're taking a step back, that's going to throw everything off. You're going to be, you're not going to be on time. So when Zach was struggling early in the season, his footwork wasn't consistent. His eyes weren't consistent. It threw the Jets offense off. And as I talked about in the video, his stats across the board were the worst in the league. He was absolutely terrible. He was one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure, one of the worst quarterbacks when blitz his stats often compared to Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon is not very good. So from that aspect of things, you have to look at, okay, the stats were really bad, but was there some sort of progression in the year? And when right around, I believe it was week 12. I think they played the Texans around then. That's where I started to see, especially that back foot. It would hit the top of his drop, he'd move up and he would with with conviction fire to where he wanted to go. And you could see he was reading things out correctly. His footwork was synced up with his eyes. When you don't have a lot of talent around you in terms of the Jets lost a lot of guys to injury, you need to really rely on the timing of the play concept because you have to anticipate windows because your receivers aren't going to create a lot of separation, especially against man coverage or zone coverage. So Zach was able to play on time more consistently. And from that perspective, I got I got excited about him because he does have crazy physical ability. He can throw from a variety of different arm angles. If you watch the Bucks game, that's where I think a lot of people who studied the film saw that progression and saw that ability and potential. And so from that aspect of him being able to play play on time, and then now if he's able to do that next year, with that talent they've added, with Corey Davis coming back, Elijah Moore, then Garrett Wilson, you add Brees Hall, the running back, you have competent play from tight end with Ozumba and Ruckert from Ohio State. I think Zach can take that next step The Jets are at just, I believe it's five and a half games. They're over under. So Mm -hmm. Vegas isn't necessarily too stoked on them. But I think if Zach can get this team to seven wins and consistently keep the Jets in games, that will be a major step towards the year after then potentially posing a threat to the Bills.
0: Yeah, I agree. With that the seven's right around where I have them. I, I think that they, I think they can do that this season. I do. I think that you've seen what you just mentioned is that they, they're bringing in talent, right? They're bringing it's young and it's going to have to learn how to develop in the NFL. But Mac Jones is not getting that. He's getting older, washed up kind of free agent talent as his players and Zach Wilson's getting loaded with speed and youth and and high quality players, at least on draft boards and things of that nature. We'll see how it plays out, but you can definitely see two organizations doing two different things, which takes me to the final other team in the dolphins. They've been wheeling and dealing wheeling and dealing. They've brought in big time players. Now they've been loading up on picks. They've been doing all these things, but it all centers around the one guy who hasn't convinced me yet that he's ready for it yet. So what do you got on Tua?
1: Oof, oof. Yeah, I I have some hot takes on Tua. I, I do believe this will be his last year starting. I know he's has even a fourth. This is his going into his third year, so he would still have a fourth year on his rookie deal and whatnot. But I just don't see it. I think kind of what I talked about with Mac Jones, where that mastery of scheme, I think that's where Tua really needs... Tua is a system quarterback, and I I think that term gets kind of a bad rap because to be good, you have to play within the system. You have to play within the timing of the play because these concepts are designed to come open at a split second, and if you're not, if your footwork's off, if your eyes are off, if anything's off, over time, you're just not going to be an effective quarterback. So I don't think it's a bad thing that Tua is a quote-unquote system quarterback, but I think he needs to master the scheme, and the issue with that is the Dolphins keep changing their scheme. Tua needs to play within one system. He needs to be what Tom Brady was or Drew Brees was, where they get to sit in a system for years and years and years and develop multiple answers to every single time they they go up to the line to snap the ball. Tua's not afforded that. He needs to win with his mind and with his timing, but when you're constantly switching, I believe they're on their, maybe even their fourth scheme, because I think they fired a guy at some point. I know they had two offensive coordinators last year. It's a freaking mess. I remember (laughs) Chan Gailey. Chan Mm. Gailey came out of retirement, I think, to coach Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then they draft Tua, and then Chan Gailey left. Mm. Like Chan Gailey left after a year and went back into retirement because he saw the future of what was going to go down, And he said, I'm good, man. I'm going to go to Miami and just, well, I guess he was in Miami. I'm going to go to the beach every day and just hang out because I don't want to freaking deal with trying to develop an offense around Tua because I don't think he thought Tua had it. But anyway, I digress on that. Tua needs to master a system, as I've said. And with McDaniels coming in, I think even another question that I have, Tua, as we know, is predominantly an RPO quarterback. He ran the highest percentage of RPOs this year. RPOs can only be run out of shotgun because after the snap, the quarterback needs to to read one defender. Well, McDaniels is predominantly in under center. His system is an under center type of system as opposed to shotgun. He wants to run the wide zone scheme. He wants to run play action. So it already calls into conflict. Are they going to base out of shotgun and, and move away from what McDaniels has learned under Shanahan for 10 or 20 years? Or is Tua going to be under center and not run RPOs? Not at all, but at a much lower rate. So I think there's already so many questions, I think, as a rookie quarterback who hasn't had, excuse me, as a young quarterback who hasn't had a lot of success in the league, you need to see sort of a crescendo, sort of a, a steady development. And when the Dolphins have just repeatedly changed out their coach, changed out their system, it's really done Tua a disservice especially for a guy who needs to, once again, master a system and learn and be comfortable with it and not have to snap the ball and be thinking or thinking what the play call is and not necessarily getting to his third or fourth read because he's thinking of that one extra little thing. I'm just worried that he, whether or not he's able to do it. I think that even when I did watch him, at times he is really good in ways he's similar to Mac Jones, where you see he is, as I said, able to manipulate defenders with his eyes. He showed that in college, but Tua isn't as accurate as you'd like. He doesn't really push the ball down the field, but from throws 10 to 19 yards down the field, which is where actually arm strength is really a big factor. He's, he's not good there. He's, he's inconsistent. He's not putting the ball out in front of guys. McDaniel's system is going to be a lot of quick hitting yards after catch stuff to really maximize that. You have to be super, super accurate. I think that's why we've seen Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo be so good in that system because he's able at times he have issues, but he's able very consistently to put it right where it needs to be. And then Debo Samuel catches a 10 yard pass and takes it 80 yards. <laughs> I don't see Tua being that accurate to where he can constantly hit Tyreek or waddle over the middle on those perfectly accurate passes to really have to really create those explosive plays because we know it's not going to be from gunning the ball deep and so for those reasons I'm I'm worried about Tua as I'm worried about him I'm just worried about
0: yeah I mean I I'm in the same boat I mean I've been kind of down on you know ever since I've been down on Alabama quarterbacks period just I just haven't seen any of them be successful in the NFL right as of ever so uh, it's already hard to buy into it but for me the one of the biggest things with him that I have a hard time with is when you're when you're down in a game and it's the fourth quarter you're doing two minute drill and you need to make these throws to the outside to save time he can't make those throws I have not seen him be able to have the arm strength to throw a hard enough pass to the outside on a 10 12 yard out route I mean, it feels like that's his his kryptonite is to have to make that play. So I, I I just I haven't seen it. And I think it's a lot of people don't really realize how important arm strength is when you only have three seconds to make a decision. And then if you found out in that three seconds you're wrong, it might just be down to arm strength.
1: Yeah. And at times I spoke about how important it is to be playing on time with your footwork and whatnot. But sometimes you don't have that footwork to be able to really set your base and you see with Josh Allen all the time where he's able to look to his right, suddenly someone comes over the middle, and he's able to, without setting his feet, just throw it. And he has the arm strength to push it all over the field. Whereas Tua, if things are a little messy, he doesn't have that arm strength to suddenly hit the guy coming across the middle back over back over the middle. He's he's not able to to really. When you look at arm talent, he is easily one of the one of the lowest rated quarterbacks in that regard he's he's not a guy with plus arm strength it's in fact it's far below average so he'll need to find other ways to win and i i think that's the worry how good are those things i don't think they're very good yeah.
0: I was a little surprised that he struggles a lot with moving around. Uh, I thought he would be a little better. I think that's one of the things that Josh is really good at is when it does break down, he can truly extend And two, it seems to be one of those kind of guys that when he starts moving, the eyes go down and then it all, it all falls apart after that. And, you know, as an NFL quarterback, I'm not one, right? So I'm talking crap about a guy that can do something I'm not even close to <laughs> capable of doing, but I, I think you have to be able to do those types of things in this league. And, and I just don't see it. So out of all that, kind of we've we've walked around, we've chatted about everybody. I agree that the Jets are kind of probably poised to make the next move in the AFC East. We agree nobody this year is coming close.
1: Yeah, I I I never counted out the Patriots. I but even I I watched I watched the, the Dolphins Patriots game to prepare for this, and I was surprised at how poorly coached they were. I mean, they were they had receivers running into each other. They had fumbles. Mac threw a pick six, the very first play of the game. I always hate those talking head guys who are like, oh, Belichick, like, he's finally done. I'm not – I'm never going to count him out because it's, it's Rick and Bill Belichick, right?
0: Well, yeah, and they still got a bunch of wins last year, right? I mean – yeah. Uh... Yeah, in the, in the, in the, and and we weren't anticipating it. I don't think last year, but I mean, it, it's one of those things that they still they still found a way. But it, you've never really heard internally as much turmoil that's coming out of New England that you're hearing this year with the offensive coordinator situation. Players are not on board. Like it, you never really hear any of this stuff coming out of there. So it just feels a little weird.
1: Yeah, and it's it feels like they're kind of in a transition time, but also building for the now. Some of the some of their roster moves don't really make a ton of sense to me. I feel like their defense is pretty old. Those receivers they they signed last year and and the tight ends, it just feels like. I, I agree, cold. It feels like there's some some sort of unrest that you just don't necessarily hear or, or feel. That you we haven't seen these in the last ten or twenty years, and at some point, things can't last forever. Right. Right. So maybe, maybe that is this year. It's possible.
0: We saw last year. I mean, essentially they killed like two of the best tight ends in the league when everybody felt like they were going to go back to their old ways and just dominate. And then like, they killed two of the best guys.
1: Yeah. Henry had a solid year. I was speaking of fantasy. I was, I was super high on Johnny last year. And then, uh, as you said, he was killed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He he truly was. It was terrible.
1: It didn't work out too well. I, I think, I, they're they're gonna they're gonna build through the run game. I think that's super important to them. And once again, just s- strictly from an offense pr- offensive perspective, who's that one guy that you're worried about? Who's the guy that you need to shade that safety over towards or just account for in the game plan? I think Mac at least needs that, or at least a guy in that range. Not necessarily a ten or top ten or top twelve guy, but we just don't have anybody in that range. And their guys don't get open very well. I don't, none of them do. So that's, that's, that's the worry. I, I think this roster isn't where it needs to be to really push to the next level. We saw them get to that wild card game. They didn't do so well, as you, uh, as you probably know, Colt. And <laughs> yeah. we saw them get there. What's, who's on this roster that's going to push them to that next level? I don't think they have. It.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, For me, it's just right now it's and it always is for every team in the NFL until you have your quarterback uh, that fits in what you're trying to do. It's just it's really difficult to win. And you'll just sit there treading water, trying to change and change and change. And it just never clicks until that guy is back there that's supposed to be back there. And right now it's wait and see for those other three teams in the AFCs, fortunately.
1: Yeah, the, the Bills are looking good. <laughs> yeah, so. and you guys seem pretty happy about it, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, we're in a great, and when you've gone seventeen years of nothing, then you're getting consecutive years, or at least me personally. Like, I'm the guy that when the schedule breaks and it shows prime time, I'm like, hell yeah, like we're we're where we're supposed to be. And then there's everybody else is like, what about Sundays, you know? And it's like, yeah, I know I want to party, but I like W's and prime time, and I want to be that team, right? And I and I think we're there. So,
1: hey, and I'll say it, I got you guys winning the winning the Super Bowl, man. Yeah. I think, I think. I think what's so important in football is having that kind of steady progression into the playoffs over years. I think obviously the Bengals just made it, but I think to to win the Super Bowl, it's that slow burn of getting to the wild card, getting to the divisional, getting up there, getting that experience. Josh Allen and the Bills have a lot of experience in the playoffs right now. I think it's pretty easy to argue that if they won that game against the Chiefs, they would have won the Super Bowl. I think they were better than the Bengals. And they would again. The Rams a run for their money, so I think you guys have only gotten better. Von Miller is interesting to me, and that's who I put my money down on. So,
0: all right, I like I'm it. Ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about that last. Uh, I think it was last week with Jared Bailey. We were hitting the Super Bowl odds and stuff because you know the Bills are getting like double the money of everybody else right now. So it's. I think, and again with the schedule, I think the NFL is kind of showing who they believe is going to be there as well, right? They don't typically put teams in prime time that they're not putting their money behind so uh, it's going to be an exciting season either way I think the AFC is just totally going to be dynamite top to bottom it's going to be a lot of fun
1: yeah that's the only worry huh you got like six just yeah. Legit stud
0: quarterbacks just gunning for it. So, yeah, it's getting deep quick. It yeah. really is. So, yeah. all right, Alex, man, I'm going to let you get out of here. I know we got some Warriors basketball tonight. Yes, so, you're wanting to watch that. But I really want to give you an opportunity here before we get out of here to uh, shout out anything that you got coming up or you want to let people know about.
1: Appreciate that, Colt. Yeah. I every single Saturday I post a video. I've got a Russell Wilson video coming this Saturday in a couple days where I'll be talking about what his offense will look like in Denver, how it's all his coordinators and all the years he's been playing in Seattle. They've all kind of gravitated towards the same sort of style. Russ isn't one to necessarily throw over the middle a lot. And I'll kind of talk about that and prove why that's the case. So if you're looking to gain a better understanding of what's going on, then 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 search Alex Rollins NFL and, and give me a try.
0: Absolutely. You guys check out the YouTube channel. You can be one of the 75,000 plus people that are watching what he does every week. Uh, He's putting out good stuff. Thanks again, Alex, for coming on. Make sure out there, Mafia, if you guys can or if you have the ability to, to head over to fantasycares.net and check out what's going on over there. If you love football, you love charity, you love fantasy football, it's the place that you're going to want to be. And of course, go Bills. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll
1: see you next time. Leg out!